Today, Jason and I talk about my obsession with how I wanted customers to feel. This ultimately led to the creation of intelligent content marketing as a business model and making your customers feel a certain way is something that your competition is probably not doing. We also discuss this time out how to help people to belong, not just to buy into something. You're listening to Digital Bacon FM. Zongerman Tunnel Music bringing us to perfectly the top of the hour. And of course, Friday is our day with Mr. Stephen Barnes, legend and marketing maestro. Good morning, sir. How was that for an intro? Uh, hello, hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit disconcerted, sir, because once upon a time you would herald my um, arrival. <laughs> with hand clapping. Is that better? Sir, that warms the cockles of my heart. <laughs> you don't have art. You're in marketing. Um, well, I suppose you might say that. I like to think I'm in customer service, which is kind of what we're really going to talk about today. Yes. So, you know, we always talk about um, how to build a monopoly from nothing with no money invested mm -hmm. and uh, working through the monopoly planner and materials. And you and I having conversations about the salient parts of well, the business model that results from, um, you know, an application of a new strategy that allows you to adjust uh, how you operate your business from the realities of the industrial economy uh, into the uh, ever-present connection economy that most people haven't got a clue actually exists. Mm. Um, and last week we were talking about solving problems and answering questions uh, as a harbinger to the creation of relationships. Um, and then uh, segueing nicely into what is uh, Chapter 23 of um, the Monopoly Planner materials that we're going to talk about today, um, and that is essentially the kind of things that your competitors are likely not doing in order to create really deep and uh, worthwhile relationships with uh, you know, other, other people whom you can ultimately go on to sort of make a living out of, it, if you will. Or as I say, I like to think at least, uh, what I've done with the Hong Kong Visa Centre um, and the service or the delivery of a professional service, I've kind of like um, hospitality industryized it. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is you've got hospitality in your DNA because, you know, you're a, a very accomplished chef. It's what you do. So you're always looking to serve. Um, it isn't obvious to most professional service providers that in actual fact, um, that's what they should be doing when they're imparting uh, their know-how and solutions and otherwise to their customers. Mm -hmm. I'm sure mostly they would always say, well, you know, customer service is at the top of our list. But I, but I, I mean something deeper than that. I mean, you know, the kind of thing that really only emerges if you're, if you're an F&B uh, or otherwise a hotel industry professional mm. because there's something about hospitality um, that uh, is very, very powerful. Mm. Well, the transaction part of it is a very, very small element and it generally comes at the end of the experience unless you book a hotel when you're traveling and you pay for it in advance, but it's a very small part of the overall thing, whereas the transaction buying something normally, you pay and you get your goods and then you make use of the goods or the service. Which is which – is which is, you know, perfect because, you know, the first point that I make on the 
sort of 10 things that competitors competitors are likely not doing is obsessing how what they do that is their products and services actually make their customers feel okay so uh you know the moment that you set eyes on uh, a customer into one of your uh, venues Hmm. um, what is your mission at that point well to create an experience from the very get-go um, Indeed, yeah. What do you want to do now that you know you've got a punter in front of you? Well, for for me, I've always thought do? that the experience starts when they look at you online or they make their first their first booking. So the first thing that we do is create anticipation and excitement. Yeah, um, yeah. And the danger of creating too much anticipation is that you've got to follow through and deliver. Otherwise, there's disappointment. So. Uh, you know, the, the the beginning of the relationship really is when somebody decides to make the reservation and they make the telephone call. And from that moment, that's when we consider, well, I think good restaurants consider that that, um, that that dining experience has begun. Right. And you would, I venture to suggest, uh, in arriving at um, the materialization of that experience, you've kind of obsessed as to how it can be the possible experience that it can, given the resources you've got available to you. Absolutely. And, you know, that first telephone call will um, dictate how the rest of it goes. So training somebody to be able to answer the telephone correctly, while it seems daft, is 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 really the first impression that somebody has on a on a one to one basis with how your venue is going to be? So, you know, simple questions like, is there anybody in your party that has any uh, intolerances to food that we should know about in advance so we can make their evening fantastic? You know that that says a lot of things, but you're really just protecting your own ass. You're giving yourself some time to to plan in ahead. But from the customer's perspective, it's oh, wow, they're taking the extra step to make sure that everybody in the party is going to be well catered for. Yeah, and, you know, for my part, you know, the obsession over how I wanted our customers to feel at the Hong Kong Visa Center ultimately resulted in the creation of the intelligent content marketing business model because I came to understand that by putting yourself completely at the center of, or excuse me, putting your customer completely at the center of your entire proposition and work your way, you know, sort of out from the center, as it were, to the edges. What you end up doing is producing elements to your business model that just ultimately gives the customer such a sense of wow Mm. that uh, they're putty in your hands. And that can only come about from obsessing really if you think about it in those terms um and most of your competitors are absolutely not doing that i can assure you that certainly none of my uh, professional immigration services competitors are obsessing about uh how their customers feel about their uh what, what they offer compared to you know kind of like what's resulted as a result of our obsession well, give- i can see from the from the fact that they're still using the same business model that i was using 25 years ago they haven't engaged in any kind of obsession behavior to that end given that yours is a, a transition of wanting to take somebody in a state of fear about or obsessing about them being able to get a visa how quickly do you want to transition them to the don't worry i've got your back leave it with me as soon as possible okay as soon as possible but when i'm, when I'm having any kind of exchange with uh, anyone who's come to me or my, or my organization for advice the only thing we're interested in at, at, at any point in the conversation is to understand what their problem is and then tell them what the solution to the problem is and how they go about thinking about it in the right way. And at the end That's of that, it. they feel good. 
or relieved. Exactly. And, and they can make informed, yes, indeed, and they can make informed decisions about what their, what their next best action is. And for for everybody, that next, be, next best action invariably is different. And uh, where we come in commercially is that uh, a reasonably large percentage of those decisions are actually decisions to spend money with us to help them fix that problem. Hmm. And do you think that, you know, your second point there is help people buy in or belong, not just to buy. Do you think people in your game buy in to a community of people who are like-minded in having a visa or they just have a problem they want it fixed and it's a it's a one-on-one interaction they they certainly they certainly don't buy into a general visa community because the tribe of of you know people with visa problems isn't really a tribe a defined tribe as such there's a there, there's a tribe of people who have visa problems at any one point in time but once those problems are solved they you know temporarily or potentially even permanently slip out of that tribe mm. um, thankfully you know our tribe our, our business and what we do is such that uh, there are always uh, new people popping up with the um, with the kind of problems that compels them to become part of our tribe, at least for a certain you know, point of time before they, they might sort of exit stage left. Mm. So our tribe is, is constantly sort of renewing and refreshing itself given the nature of what we do. So there's not a lot that the customer would buy into sort of at that tribe level, but what they do buy into, what we try to encourage them to buy into, is this idea that, that we're a partnership that you know we understand that you've got a problem and we've got the means and the the ability to solve that problem and so we're going to make sure that everything that you need to give you the comfort to know that you are properly taken care of uh, is available to you so you never have to have any sort of uh, nagging doubts that uh, the decision that you've made to have a relationship with us will not go on to um, you know bite you on the bum as it were so we get them to buy into the idea that we're the solution to the problem and mm. the constructs of the business model just encourages that naturally um, but there's a wider point to this um, sort of you know Point number two of the ten things that your competitors likely do not go, uh, do not do, being you know um, they're not likely not helping people buy in or belong just to buy. Let me give you um, an example of that. It's a personal example, uh, and it's ironic how this experience has sort of proven exactly why this company shouldn't have allowed this to happen. Because the mere fact that I'm having this conversation with you now live on radio just goes to show how um, uh, negative things can work against you um, if you don't actually play the game okay. in, a, in a smart way. So, uh, as you know, I've been getting fit over the last couple of years or so, Bastard. and I've arrived. <laughs> I've <laughs> arrived at that point in my fitness journey where uh, all the advice that I've had and all the sort of smart conclusions that I think I've come to tell me. That in order to deal with the old adage that the last fat that you want to get rid of is the hardest fat to get rid of, it just takes so long. Um, and given that I haven't applied any meaningful sort of scientific approach to shedding these last, well, it's two or three percent <laughs> body fat, not much. <laughs> That's seventy-three grams. <laughs> 
Well, it's not so much that. It's kind of like the vestiges. It's the vestiges of the <laughs> of, uh, the, of, the love, of the old love handles, uh, very last vestiges, and it's that that tiny sliver of, of sort of fat that's sitting atop my my very well defined eight pack, or four 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 of which is fully visible, uh, four of which is hidden behind this tiny sliver of fat. <laughs> that's the fat I want to get rid of, and I want to be scientific about it. So. Um, I've been told Surgery. through my research. No, 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 no. That's, That's the whole scientific. point. This, right? To to avoid to avoid unnecessary surgery. Yeah, mm. definitely not. Liposuction is is not on the agenda. Mm. I'm going to do it the hard way, the natural <laughs> way. Um, so so anyway, everything that I'm reading about how to do this, you know, it tells me that it's going to take X amount of time, and I've got to do this and that and the other, and it's all completely within my grasp, Jason. There's nothing in it that phases me, and you know, I've got the the intellectual orientation and the mindset to pull this off because it's what I want. It's the culmination of the last two years worth of you know things that I've been doing to this end. So it's you know, it's like the last mile of the marathon, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so I have a, I have a, this is a story. So I hope your little listeners are still hanging in there. So I have a relationship with a, with a, with, with a young man who I've got a lot of respect for. He's a salesman, but he's a bit of a jobbing salesman. And he brought to me, uh, he's a fitness guru. He brought to me an opportunity to participate in a, in a program that for all practical purposes is, uh, it's a hormone test. And then it's three, three, months worth of uh, food delivered to you daily according to a set nutritional uh, formula that's designed to uh, when it combined with uh, a set of exercises uh, that com- that vie with your DNA profile in relation to responsive fitness it's and exercise not, not nutrition, nutrition, which I've already had no 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 not at all it's, okay. a, it's a personalized service so uh, and you know and Anyway, that's it. So he persuaded me that, that this was something that I should do. And he said that if we went on this program, I'd be able to achieve the outcomes in three months rather than seven or eight months. And I said, well, that's good because, A, it'd be great to get this thing out of the way and get it done with. <laughs> B, the cost, the cost is a lot. But when, you think, when I think about what I spend on food anyway, it's not that much more. And it's certainly worthwhile. And finally, because, as you know, I document as part of my storytelling activities, various facets of my life, um, all set, made in separate sort of one and a half minute videos. Mm-hmm. Until now, over the last two years, I've done nothing to document my fitness journey. And I don't want to do a kind of, you know, before and after, you know, fat shots, all that kind of stuff. That's just crass. That doesn't say anything. Um, what, I want, what I want to do is I want to come up with something a little bit special. So I thought, well, okay, I'll produce a video that, shows me participating in this program. And then they're telling me that I can achieve these outcomes as long as I do what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to do exactly what they tell me to do. Run a complete video diary of it, but then shoot, you know, the before, the after, and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to get all this mm-hmm. footage basically for my own purposes. But I said to them, because of the realities of the connection economy, mm-hmm. I said to them, okay, but I'll tell you what I'll do. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll actually You're angling for free, weren't you? Bit. No, no, I'm not. This is the point. No, this is the point. I wasn't angling for free. Um, what I wanted to do was to show to them that you know I can I can I can deliver value to them as a customer that goes way beyond the twenty one thousand Hong Kong dollars that I was going to invest into. What? This thing. Um, well, anyway, be that the cost the cost aside, um, I could I could deliver a lot of value to them as a sort of a modern customer. Um, anyway, so I, I, I suggested that this was would be the basis of my participation in this program. Hmm. 
uh, to, to my guy and he then took it back uh, and then from the correspondence that I had on round robin emails with introductions and narrative and this that and the others mm-hmm. links to LinkedIn profile I figured I figured given that I said I wanted to meet the, run, the, the main runners and riders in the business before I went before I went ahead I figured that you know that would be teed up so anyway diaries is difficult to coordinate and the rest of it but we finally about 10 days after the day that I told him that we were going to go ahead um chris my videographer uh, went on and i went off to a meeting uh, about an hour sort of trip away from where i am in wan chai uh De- basically Delic put two hours into a meeting with these people figuring that everyone that needed to be there was going to be there it was mm. clear when i got there that nobody in that organization gave a hoot absolutely not it was clear that merely a an industrial economy sales driven organization moreover they look like a very hungry sales-driven organization <laughs> that might not be making their targets. H- hungry in that they're doing the diet themselves and f-ing starving? Or hungry no, for hungry sales? In, in, hung, hung, no, hung, hungry, hung, hungry for sales. Hungry as much as when I told, when I told the guy, look, all right, so yeah, I'll sign up for that three months, send me the invoice, we'll work out the production plan, we'll pay the invoice and move on with it. Mm. Right. So that was 10 days prior. So what he's done, he's then gone back to his his principal and said, yeah, hey, hey, I've sold this, I've sold this guy and all they're interested in is getting the check off me. Everything else that I was able, that was on the table and able for them to be, um, you know, to, to benefit from as a result of my wider reach and the um, resources that I've got clearly was of absolutely no bloody interest. And all they wanted hmm. was to get my money. And then, for the two weeks or two and a half weeks afterwards, all I got every three or four days was an email, a copy of their, their, their invoicing system, Zero, was sending to me every three days a copy of this invoice. Mm. And then I started to get all these sorts of messages that are all, it's all purely sales-driven, right, encouraging me to spend, uh, encouraging me to pay because, you know, these holidays are coming up and this guy's going away and we've got to get started now. And it's kind of all about them and not about me. It was pathetic. Mm. And then finally... Um, the sales manager, one of the clowns that I um, thought was was going to be a, a positive contributor to the initiative before me ever getting in to see these people, that sales manager had clearly decided that he needed to get involved because his underling wasn't able to get the check out of me. Mm-hmm. So, so he started he started on me via WhatsApp, and it's like, guys, I you know, uh, don't you understand what's going on here? You should have watched the movie Monopoly. So clearly, hadn't watched the movie Monopoly. And rule number one in any sales is to know your customer, right? Absolutely. And I gave them everything that they need for them to understand what I, what I was all about. None of them had even bothered to get to the bottom of what we're all about. So when this sales manager starts having a go, I mean, I said to him, first of all, let him wait overnight, and then secondly, I said, let me ask you a question. You know. Do you see any value in what I'm proposing for this video shoot over and above the mere sale of product? Or, or do you just see me as some sort of, you know, eccentric, uh, off-piste distraction to your sales effort? Um, and then very quickly followed, no, then I said to him, I said, be, I said because your, uh, your, sale, your sales activity is grating me, grating on me. And he pings me back and says, yeah. And the way that you work is grating on me too. Oh, wow. So can you imagine? But here's something else, right? I had, on the way into the meeting, I'd met the CEO, one of the co-founders, um, who was 
supposed to be at the meeting originally, but apparently have uh, a last minute meeting to attend with the government department, which given that he runs a, a licensed kitchen operation, I can understand he has to run off at the last minute. I have no qualms with him not being able to attend the meeting. So he mm. left me with the sales manager and he left me with my guy. Sales manager hot-footed it out pretty quickly when he realized that he wasn't he didn't he didn't he didn't know he was going to get anything out of me there and then and then and then my guy just took me through all the stuff I'd already been through previously. So it was a complete waste of time going to see these guys. But anyway, mm. I'd got I shook the hand of the CEO for about two minutes on the way into the meeting. It turns out he actually knows me because he's attended a couple of my talks in the past. Hmm. So I recognize his face vaguely, but anyway, so he knows who I am. So I'm thinking to myself, after his sales manager has basically told me that the way that I work grates on him, um, and clearly that's the end of that, I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute, the CEO, surely he must be thinking, you know, what happened to this? There was a $21,000 deal in the, in the offing. Yeah, the guy that I know, his pedigree has been over to see me in Wong Chuk Hang, no less, along with his videographer. Um, he's producing a, a video of the entire experience and he's going to do it for me completely free of charge and he's going to market essentially this experience to his to entire a large tribe. database, yeah. Well, well, hang on a minute. He, 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 one week later, that deal's no longer on the table. Why? What's gone wrong? Yeah, that's so the first I haven't question. had any correspondence from this guy whatsoever. It's been three or four days now. Wow. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Wow. So anyway, um, you know, I, I told you, I took you on that journey to sort of labor the point about helping people to buy in or belong, not just buy. Sure. These guys have absolutely no idea what I was there for. No clue whatsoever. Did they have any appreciation of the value that I could deliver to them? All they wanted to do was get the check for the sale. Well, and, and, sorry, guys. And, and, and they could have got the check for the sale if they'd have given you the courtesy of listening and saying, we look forward to it because it wasn't going to cost them anything but the time it took to listen to your presentation. Well, well, here's the other thing, right? Because this was not a, for me, this whole thing was about the experience. Two things, two things flew from that. Firstly, they, they rescued uh, defeat from the jaws of victory because they didn't realize that I had already made provision to pay their invoice next week. Mm. So, uh, so, so, so they shot themselves in the foot completely there. And then, secondly, the young guy that you know brought me into the deal, the guy that uh, you know I've dealt with in the past, I felt really bad for him because it was clear that his sales manager had closed, had closed the whole thing down. And I could, I could suffer the the first guy's stuff because I've dealt with him in the past and I've got a certain affinity for him and and I know that's how he operates. And actually, I'm kind of trying to sort of help him by osmosis, if you will, to treat him out to be smarter about what he does because mm. his his hard sales. Um, efforts just it's just it's just irrelevant today it's not, nobody responds to that stuff it's like being bullied, seeking to be bullied or intimidated mm. anyway so because i felt bad for this guy because because his sales manager lost the deal um i uh, i i agreed to compensate him for whatever time he'd spent with me giving me the advice that i needed to get to the point where i made that uh, purchase decision mm. um because it wasn't about money for me and i didn't want him to go completely out of pocket so I asked him to give me a number and I, and, and I served, I, I put that in his bank account. So we, we put that to bed. Mm. But, you know, what, I, um, what an absolutely, you know, antiquated way of approaching the commercial relationships that you're hoping for. And, and, uh, and just, 
And certainly yeah, in, a, in, a, in a large city like Hong Kong, even though it's transient and there's enough customers for you to be able to treat people like shit and go from one to one to one, eventually you run out of people, but people talk. And well, you know, yeah, food, well. word, of, word of mouth, irrespective of what business you're in, can either be great for your business or it can be devastating. So they, they well, will, they will mm-hmm. get the double your fat back guarantee award well well you know the the, the, the irony is of course that uh, i've just spent what probably 25 percent of my time on your show uh belaboring that pathetic experience and uh, whilst i'm not going to name the company uh if they ever come to hear about this they'll certainly know who they are mm. but it just goes to show right i mean you know how in the connection economy you've got to be on top of your game you you simply can't treat people um you know in, in the way that i was uh, that i was treated and expect that that's that's going to get you any kind of positive outcome quite you, you, quite, quite you the think, opposite you think that the, 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 that would be the first part of their business model is how do we sell how do we get people involved in this because this is the ideal business to have a community community and a tribe because whilst you might do it for three months and then see the effects if you do start, I mean, you've only got seventy-three grams to lose. But somebody who's a bit of a he- somebody who's a bit of a heffalump might say, "Bloody hell, I've lost X amount in three months. I'm going to do this for another three or six or nine months." So well, you know, it, yeah. it becomes a lifestyle change for some people, and they become reliant on this company in a way of, you know, if they're purchasing and they're getting their foods prepared for them. So, what an opportunity well, lost. Well, they're, they're, they're mad, right? Because there isn't anybody in Hong Kong that's got the kind of, you know, tribe and reach into the segment of the marketplace that these guys are, are, are more, more likely than not targeting. Um, and whilst I, I, I can't promise them anything that, you know, I can deliver positive stuff to them, that's not what I'm about. But I can they can certainly benefit, you know, by uh, by osmosis, if you will, as a result of you know, them being associated with me. Uh, and it's going to cost them nothing, and I'm going to pay full 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 price for the for the food and the, the program. I'm not asking mm. for any discounts. Sure, it's going to be really interesting to see if the CEO does come back to you, because if if well, he's any good, he'll be tracking his sales. He'll be tracking uh, the his, his his team below him to see what they if they're reaching their targets and. The young chap in particular, yeah, he's going to ask the question: How did that relate? How's that relationship going? Uh, it's not. Well, well, I think I think about this, Jason. As you know, I get, um, you know, we do fifty percent of the investment visas in Hong Kong, which means that I see every permutation of every business model that foreign nationals who need immigration permissions to run those businesses. I see what they're all about. So I see hundreds and hundreds of business models every single year. It's, hmm. you know, um, it's inimical to what I'm all about, but. It was absolutely fascinating, actually, to sort of be on the receiving end of that experience because, it, you know, I know I, 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 they've obviously got some funding for this. They're on two floors in Wang Chuk Han. One floor Bloody is hell. a um, one floor is a kitchen. Uh, oh no! Operation. It's not where the butchers yeah. club was, is it? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, because I, I know I that, that conversation but, offline. Well, yeah. no, that 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 yeah. space was in Wang Chuk Hang. I know the space. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so they've got they've got two floors in Wang Chuk Hang, and I saw four or five people sort of around, and there's, there's a lot of areas, a lot of desks and stuff. I would assume that the sales force was out there, sort of selling. Um, but 
the product itself, whilst I think is absolutely amazing, and I'm absolutely ready to buy into the idea that it works, it's such a, a high-ticket item that requires such fine collaboration with each and each potential customer that you've got. Um, and then you've got, you know, uh, a limited pool of people that would want to sort of buy that product. Mm. And when you sort of whittle it right down, you think to yourself, well, okay, if that's what they're offering and that's the way that they're treating people, and given the very small number of people that are, I think, their target market here, uh, mm. they may have other streams of revenue from the kitchen doing cook, cooking for hospitals and that kind of stuff. I, I genuinely don't know. Um, but in terms of the kind of what they were selling me and what the, what the core product offering was, the market's not that big. No. So to piss off a customer like me in a market like this, not good, really. No. No, maybe maybe what you should do is just send the CEO no explanation, just a link to click onto your material. Oh, oh I can't I can't be bothered because this is the <laughs> this is the other thing. This is the other thing from it. Um I haven't got I haven't got time to go around prosettalizing how other people are making mistakes. They've got to they've got to figure it out for themselves. Sure. So uh yeah, I don't bother with it. Um but it's fascinating for me to see what is a really scientific sort of uh, approach to uh, a service that resonated, expensive, but I've prepared to invest into it because I think it would work. Um, but how they've got something really so smart, but they've just applied industrial economy business model to it, top to bottom, and I, I, uh, I think it's, it's uh, self-defeating. I think it's fair to say no matter whether they were in the industrial economy or uh, the connection economy, their processes are bad and they fail in both. Because that just sounds like well, poor, poor, poor training and poor customer service, whichever yeah, whichever yeah. economy they, they choose to trade in. Well, I I, um, I once attended a sort of business coaching, and one of the things that I learned uh, is that uh, there's a concept called frantic. And, and frantic is where you just behave in such a way because whatever the underlying uh, milestones that exist in your business have to be have to be met and if they're not being met you're going to a state of being frantic hmm. uh, and that's what these guys are in they're in they're in a state of frantic hmm. so i don't think they're doing well I, i'll make you a deal for twenty one thousand dollars you can come to south africa i'll starve you and make you run up and down the mountains you'll fucking regret every minute of it and you'll lose those 73 grams of fat double your fat back guarantee Right. On that note, as I say, you know, 10 things that your competitors are likely to do not do, do is to um, uh, basically make something that's not for everyone. And what <laughs> you just described is clearly not for me. Um, <laughs> but I do appreciate the sentiment. So thank you. Thank you, sir. It is the bottom of the hour. Let's catch up again next week. Uh, it's a public holiday on Friday, uh, on Friday in Hong Kong next week. Are you good for it or should we choose another day? I believe so. Can we? Um, I might be. I might have to go to Japan to join my darling wife. So we may have to. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's uh, have a stay in touch. With that. All right. You have an absolute outro, please. Outro, outro. Okay. So well, should we? Hang on a minute. Let me let me put that fader up. Asking me, surprise me. Surprise you. Hang on a minute. Uh, it's time for you to go. Let's see. Does this work? There he goes. Mr. Stephen Barnes, legend, has left the building. Digital Bacon FM. Join us next time for more strategies on how to differentiate yourself from the competition.